Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a preview of Super Bowl 56 featuring the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. Sands is going to stop by with his expert opinions on the game. And we're also going to have a special message from Lucas Armborst, a Bengals fan from Germany. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Super Bowl 56 preview Cincinnati Bengals versus Los Angeles Rams. So here we are. Super Bowl 56 featuring the Cincinnati Bengals. Did you ever think that you'd be saying that this year? It's been an amazing season. This team is very thrilling to watch. We've had a lot of close games. We've had a lot of new stars break out. And everyone's likable. The team gets along. I like the players. I like the coaches. I like the front office. They've made some wonderful changes to the organization and the building and the way they do things. And they made a lot of dreams come true for this loyal fan base. And the way we're playing now, we're playing hot down the stretch. And those are the teams that make a deep run, and we're seeing that. When the end of the season came and the playoffs started, the Bengals were one of the best teams in the NFL, and they're riding that wave. They're confident, and they're playing well, and those are the types of teams that win championships. And I truly believe that we're going to win this game. But no matter what happens this Sunday, I'm still ecstatic about what this team has accomplished and where we're heading in the future. One game left, Bengals fans. Let's go get the ring. I'll be there in spirit on every snap. So it's been a fun couple weeks. We beat the Chiefs. We advanced to the Super Bowl. It's been two weeks of everybody talking about the Bengals. They're all over NFL Network and ESPN, and I'm sure most of the news outlets that you follow. All the players are getting the recognition that they deserve, and that's really good for their morale, and it's nice to see these guys get applauded for playing so well and having good careers, and and Joe Burrow's star is just rising and rising. Everyone is really acknowledging that he's one of the best players in the league. I mean, that's something that we knew all along as Bengal fans. I'm putting this out on a Wednesday, so there's going to be a lot more that happens over the next few days with Media Day and all the interviews, but one of the things that caught my attention from what Joe Burrow said is, is they were asking him about all his nicknames, and what he simply said is, just call me Joe. And that's just a great answer. Uh, Again, he just continues to be so cool, and just the guy that you want leading your team. And as I said, he's just becoming a bigger star as this whole thing unfolds. And when he brings home that ring for Cincinnati, it's going to be lights out for him. His life is going to change. Our lives are going to change. It's just a really, really good couple weeks to be a Bengal fan, and I cannot wait until Sunday. So a couple other pieces of news. They actually practiced in the bubble at the University of Cincinnati before they went out to L.A., so that was nice. They're figuring we don't need to brave the elements anymore because we're going to be playing in warm weather, so that was good that they had a nice relaxing practice as opposed to all the hard work they put in in the cold this winter. And then there was the Super Bowl pep rally at the stadium, 28 degrees, and they still had 36,000 people there rooting the team on. Bengal Jim emceed it. There was a whole bunch of ex-Bengals that were there, and it was just a good moment. C.J. Uzama ripped off his knee brace defiantly and proclaimed himself ready to play in the Super Bowl. You know, I wouldn't miss it for the world, he said. So just a lot of positive and a lot of good emotions that are surrounding this team. 
And regarding the injuries, it looks like Uzama is going to play through that knee sprain. And, you know, it is an MCL injury that's fairly significant. But I think what's going to happen is he's going to just get shot up with, with pain medicine. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not the best thing for your body. But for his sake, he's going to get to play in that Super Bowl. And we could use him out there. You guys know how I feel about sending guys out there injured and just masking their pain. But no one's CJ would be the first one to say, shoot me up because I'm not missing this game. So, so be it. So that's what's going to happen. And again, he's going to help when he's out there on the field. A couple of the other injured players seem like they're going to be in good shape for the game. Jackson Carmen is still having that back issue. And remember, when he was drafted, that's the issue that he had. But I don't think it's going to keep him out of the lineup. And it looks like he may be getting the starting nod over Adenogy, or they may do that rotation again. I'm not really sure. They haven't really made it public. And I'm kind of glad, you know, you want to keep your strategies secret. So we'll see what happens with that offensive line. And Stanley Morgan looks like he's coming back from the hamstring, and that's a well-deserved spot in the Super Bowl. He's been grinding it all year for us, and it's only fitting that he gets to play on a national stage. You know, look for him to make some big plays in this game in special teams. You know, just eating up a punt returner. You know, Cooper Cup's back there, maybe getting a big hit on him. I mean, it would be great to see Stanley Morgan cause a fumble by Cooper Cup that changes the momentum of the game. It certainly would be well-deserved by him for all the hard work that he's put in. Josh Tupo looks like he's coming back from that knee injury. I don't know how much he's going to play, but he should be available for some rotational snaps, and that can only help. He's a good player and another guy, you know, that's worked his way up as a practice squatter and, you know, finally kind of a staple on the team, and I'm glad he's going to get to play in the Super Bowl. And lastly, Cam Sample, an excellent rookie who's shown such versatility going outside and inside. He was battling a hamstring injury and then a groin injury. I think the groin was the most recent thing, but it looks like he's going to be ready for the Super Bowl. And what a way to enter the NFL as a rookie going to the Super Bowl and going to the Super Bowl with someone like Joe Burrow leading the charge. So I'm glad to see that he's going to get a chance to play. And then lastly, we're going to be wearing the black jerseys, which are my favorite jerseys. So that hopefully is good luck. In the two previous Super Bowls, the first one we wore black, the second one we wore white, and in this one we're back to black, and this is going to be the one. I I can't wait to see those black uniforms as they play this game for years and years to come because it's so historic and, you know, it's going to be an exciting moment. I really, as Bengal fans, really just take all this in because you never know when you're going to get back there. I mean, I assume that we're going to be there a lot over these next few years, but There is no better time than the present, and that's what we have to think about. So really take it in, enjoy it. This is such a unique thing. There's 32 teams in the NFL, and only two of them get this privilege, and it's been such a long time since we got this privilege. So just enjoy it, Bengal fans, because I'm I'm on top of the world. I am so happy right now. All right, so let's get to the game and the strategy and our opponent and everything that goes into this. So I was going to script out like the first eight plays and and just kind of excitedly give my opinion on what we should do. But I don't know. You know, I'm not an offensive coordinator. That might not be the most fun to listen to is, you know, the rantings of a, of a crazy Bengal fan. So all I'm going to do is suggest this. I just want this to be the first play. Coach Taylor, I know you're probably listening. So here's some advice. You probably have your plays marked up. Coach Callahan, I'm not sure. But this is my advice. You have Tyler Boyd by himself on the left side. And you have Joe Mixon in the backfield. On the right side, you have three receivers. Uzama on the inside, Chase in the middle, Higgins on the outside. All fairly tightly bunched. So it's trips on one side, one wide receiver on the other side. What we do is 
pre-snap, Uzama goes in motion. Now he's coming. He's on the right side. He's going to be where Von Miller is. So what's going to happen is on the snap, he's going to seal off Von Miller. And then at the same time, we're going to roll the pocket outside of Von Miller to the right. So we're going to get away from Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, and we're going to have Von Miller taken care of. And then what's going to happen from there is you're going to have Chase in the middle just going long. And then you're going to have Higgins doing like a post pattern underneath him. You know, he's going to let Chase clear out, and then he's going to start to angle towards the middle of the field. So that'll hopefully confuse the safeties. Hopefully we get that one-on-one look with Chase on Ramsey or whoever they're going to put on him for this play. And just as a safety valve, you're going to have Boyd coming over from the other side across the field. So what Burrow's going to see is he's going to have Higgins going towards the middle. He's going to have Boyd flashing shallow in front of his face. And he's going to have Jamar Chase over top. And he's going to gun that ball, and it's going to be a 75-yard touchdown to start the game. Once it starts like that, it's game over. All right, so what are the keys to the game, in my opinion? I just made a list of of a few things, and I think number one is avoid early mistakes. Yes, we are a great second-half team, and I have confidence that if we fall into a hole, we can come back and win the game. We've been doing it all year. We've been doing it in the playoffs. But I think in a game of this magnitude, we're... It is a huge game, and your nerves are, no matter how cool you are, there's going to be some nerves in place, because this is absolutely the biggest game of all of these players' lives, even over a national championship game in college. I mean, this is the marquee sporting event in the United States, and perhaps the world. So that's one key, is avoid early mistakes. You don't want to fall into a hole and now have to come back. You know, you don't want to have a strip sack on the first series or an interception or, you know, let up a huge play over top on defense, all those things. Let's try to play sound early so the game doesn't get away because there's going to be extra nerves taking place. And, you know, like I said, it's just such a huge game. You don't want to tip the scales and not be able to tip them back in your favor. Number two is what I preach every game. Score before halftime and don't let them score before halftime. That's the big killer. You know, usually when you let up points before halftime and you look at the end result of the game, you know, they got they kicked a field goal at 30 seconds in the half and you look at the final score and you lost by three. I mean, it happens so much and we've been on the winning end of those. So we need to continue that through this really important game. Number three, attack that secondary. I'm going to go into Jalen Ramsey and, you know, all his attributes in a few. But aside from him, it's a pretty normal secondary. They're not a bunch of all pros or potential Hall of Famers back there. It's very beatable. You know, the tendency is you you hear Ramsey out there and you're possibly afraid to go downfield. No, that's not the case here. They have a lot of other players out there that are vulnerable. I know Joe might not have as much time as we want, but we're going to talk about ways to get him more time. But attack that secondary. And the last thing is force Stafford into mistakes. He's not that good under pressure. I've seen him have really good games. I've seen him have really bad games. He is prone to throwing an interception under pressure. He is prone to fumbling the ball if pressured the right way. And I think that that's one of the keys to this. So avoid early mistakes, score before the half, attack that secondary, and force Stafford into some mistakes. And there's your formula to winning this game, Cincinnati. All right, so let's quickly go over some offensive strategy. And what you have to worry about is what you're going to do with that front line, especially Aaron Donald. Are you going to double team him? Are you going to chip him? Are you going to do max protect? You know, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do there. And maybe we will do 
all of the above. But I think the biggest advantage for us is to move the pocket. Let's get Joe Burrow rolling out to the right because he throws great on the run. Let's have him rolling out to the left as well. But to have him just take a a three-step drop even, especially a five- or a seven-step drop, he's going to be a sitting duck back there no matter what happens. So we have to be creative and move that pocket. And you want to see five wides and quick throws. You do want to see that max protect look where it's Burrow in the middle and he's got a running back and an H-back next to him. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do. And what Sands is going to talk about in his segment is you have to double-team Aaron Donald. And I'll let Sands continue when he does his piece in a little bit. But that's a major thing. You can't expect to block him with one guy. Other things are Chase versus Ramsey. Don't be afraid of Ramsey. He's a great player. Joe Burrow's not foolish. He's not going to throw these jump balls that Ramsey has the length to get in the way of. You know, he's not going to crumble. I, I can't see it. I can't see him flinching and getting baited into things. And that's what Ramsey likes to do. He likes to have the quarterback think that the receiver's open. And then when the quarterback makes up his mind and throws it, Ramsey descends on the ball and, and does what Ramsey does. But don't be afraid of him. Jamar Chase is a super player. Ramsey doesn't know a lot about him except the tape that he's going to watch. Jamar Chase studies and and plans his routes, plans every step, reacts to things. You know, I know we're talking about a Hall of Fame veteran versus a rookie. But again, with that rookie comes fresh legs and comes the momentum of a supersonic season. You know, he's going to be the rookie of the year. And he is just the most electric receiver. You know, he's only been in the league for 20 games, basically. And he set the league on fire. So don't be afraid of Ramsey, and let's hit Jamar Chase and and target him. Because if you start opening up Chase, they're in trouble. Think about it this way. If Chase starts beating Ramsey fairly consistently, they're doomed. The Rams are not going to be able to do anything because we have all those other matchups that we can exploit with our other wide receivers. So if we can show that our best guy out there can beat your best guy, you guys are in trouble. So other things, I say... You have to keep Mixon involved, even though they're going to be very tough to run on, you know, up the middle and between the tackles. But you need time of possession. So the way I would use Mixon in this game, you're going to have to run up the middle a little bit because you don't want to be predictable. But I say try to get him to the perimeter as much as you can. You know, hopefully Von Miller takes the aggressive route to the quarterback so you have a little space on the outside there. And, you know, hopefully we can get their defensive ends to crash more than keep contain and get outside of them. And then Mixon's going to be deadly on that perimeter. They don't have good linebackers, so if, if we can get isolated on the linebackers, Mixon can have a very big day or at least a productive day to keep the sticks moving and keep the clock in our favor. And you want to see some running back passes, get him out in space against those linebackers, and some screens, obviously, even a tight end screen out of the backfield, and then running back passes to the flat. Same thing as running to the outside. You want to get Mixon the ball on like a swing pass outside and let him run through a safety or an outside linebacker. So aside from that, the general strategy is keep Joe Burrow upright, give him time to throw, and he will take you to the promised land. So regarding defensive strategy, I think we're going to have to generate pressure from the interior of the line because with Whitworth and Havenstein, you know, you could have, I think Hendrickson could be anybody. So we will get our edge there from time to time. You know, Hubbard's going to battle through. And, you know, those guys are, I'm convinced, are going to be productive. But we can't just totally rely on the outside pressure. I think the Rams are a little more vulnerable up the middle. They have a good center in Brian Allen. But I think the guards are a little suspect. So what happens here? 
That's when your BJ Hill comes alive. That's when DJ Reader does his thing. Maybe get some stunts going and then have Hendrickson coming to the inside so he's on one of the guards and not a tackle. And then you can have some linebacker blitzes up the middle. And then if you're going to do some stuff on the outside, then you have Hendrickson battling with Whitworth, but then you have Hilton or Bell sprinting from the outside. Usually they like to do that from Hubbard's side. And I could see us doing that from either side, but those are the keys. We, if you want to generate pressure, let's get it through the middle of the, of the offensive line. And I think stunts and blitzes, and if you're going to blitz from the outside, let's make it a fast corner or a fast safety so we can get to Stafford and rattle his cage and make him make mistakes. Because he will. You watching this game, you know, if, if you're a betting person, I would put some money on Stafford throwing an interception, especially with the way our defense has been generating turnovers. Because we're going to get pressure on him. You know, everyone is, is so fixated on the Rams' defensive line. And rightfully so, they're excellent. But we, we're troublesome, too, to quarterbacks. So we're going to do our, our damage to him as well. And then what do you do with Cooper Cup? He's the biggest weapon. We'll go over all their weapons in a few, but he's the biggest thing. So you're going to have to, I, I would say you're going to have to double cover him. You might want to say, have a Wouzier follow him all over the field. I don't know if that's the, the right answer. But I think in the case of Cooper Cup, you're going to really have to pay attention to him and just keep him contained. And, and the way to do that is double coverage. The way to do that is is chucking him at the line and ha- making him not letting him get a free release off the line. And then, as usual, we have to watch the backs out of the backfield. Even though the running backs aren't the top of the league, they're dangerous. And we've had some vulnerability there with running backs catching the ball on swing passes and out in the flat and doing some damage. So we're going to have to be really sound there. And that's going to come down to Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson getting to their spots. You know, and the safeties coming over for a second wave of help. You know, corners defeating their blocks. It's, it's things like that that it's, it's going to stop those running backs out of the backfield. So regardless of if they have a superstar back there or not, it is something that has been one of the few weaknesses in our defense. So it's something that we need to be conscious of. And lastly, you can't sleep on Van Jefferson. I watched a bunch of Rams games this year because they were on national TV quite a bit. So I saw my share of Rams games, and I bet on the Rams the whole deal. And it always seems like they find Van Jefferson for a deep route every game. So it's one of those things you're worried about the other guys. They don't go to him that much. And then out of the blue, they just design this excellent play where he goes over top on you. So that's something that we need to be concerned about. We can't sleep on him. And, you know, that's something that I forecast in this game is watching him get a 30- or 40-yard catch. If that happens, hopefully it's only one. And if that happens, hopefully it's it's to the middle of the field and not to the end zone. All right, so let's talk about the Rams a little bit as a team. Excellent coaching. Sean McVay is a Super Bowl-level coach and a great coordinator and a mentor to our coach. So they know each other well. And he's got Kevin O'Connell acting as a Brian Callahan, where McVeigh is going to call the plays like Coach Taylor, but he's going to have O'Connell in the booth. And, you know, what I think what they do is, and I haven't been privy to this from the inside, but I think the offensive coordinator that's not calling the plays at least gives the head coach a set of plays to narrow it down. I don't think it's just the coach looking at his play sheet and trying to choose between 20 plays. I think the job of the guy upstairs is, is to say, hey, here's the situation. Here's the game plan that we talked about. I would say one of these five to seven plays is what you should be thinking about here, and the coaches choose that way. That's just my speculation. I think that would be the, the intelligent way to do that, especially if you're being a head coach and calling plays. You're a little bit distracted. So if you have someone up there doing the back office homework for you, 
you know, that would help you be more successful. So anyway, Coach McVay, excellent coach. Raheem Morris is a good coordinator. He had that defense. What's been going on with the Rams' defense is they were 15th in points allowed, and that's a little bit misleading because they played really well down the stretch as a defense, and they do have three phenomenal players, well, four four to five phenomenal players on that defense, and they're well coached there. So the coaching for the Rams is outstanding. The defense is kind of like what we are as a team right now. We're hot right now, and their defense is hot right now. So, you know, it's going to be a battle of of the two teams that are, quite frankly, playing the best right now. And the Rams are also seventh in points scored, so it shows that they can put points up, and obviously they can stop you. So it's going to be a tough task, but not an insurmountable one. And like I said, I really do believe that we're going to win this game. All right, on to the players for the Rams. Matthew Stafford. I have my thoughts on him. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's a likable guy. I just was never crazy about him as a quarterback. You always hear in baseball, like, they call them compilers, you know, guys that play so long that they end up getting their 400, 500 home runs or whatever. You know, it's not a case of being so dominant all the time. It's a case of staying around long enough. And I feel that's a little bit with Stafford. And I know he's got a lot of lifetime passing yards. But you have to remember, the Lions were behind a lot during his career. So he's throwing against soft zones at the end of games, and you know you can rack up a lot of yards. How many times do you see a quarterback throw for nearly 300 yards in a losing effort because the other team is just playing a prevent defense at the end of the game? So I think a lot of his yardage over his career was compiled because of that. But don't get me wrong. He's got excellent skills. He was a top pick in the draft for a reason. He's a very, very good player, and he's a mystery to me at sometimes because sometimes he'll throw this beautiful, perfect ball, perfect spiral, perfectly placed, perfect read, and you're just like, wow, he really is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And then there's other times where he's off target and he's rushed and he makes a boneheaded play and throws a, a really untimely interception, and you're like, is he good? Is he not good? And that's the problem. I don't know which Matthew Stafford we're going to get in this game. I know he's been working his whole career for this moment. But, you know, sometimes, and we're seeing that, what's the big quote on the Bengals this year is they don't know what they don't know, right? It's just a bunch of young guys playing loose. And sometimes I think when you have more to play for, you know, like you have the mortgage and the family and the legacy and, you know, you know your career is coming to an end, I think there's more pressure on you than just a younger guy who's like, oh, my second year, all right, cool. I can't believe we're doing this good. Yeah, I'll probably be back here next year. I think that the innocence of that creates more of a looseness. So I, I really feel that despite his experience, that Stafford is going to be playing much more tightly than Joe Burrow in this game, you know, as far as like emotions go and, and pressure. So that's just my speculation. I hope we get that bad Matt Stafford that cost me a bunch of money this season because I had the Rams beating some teams that they didn't beat. And I had him throwing for yardage that he didn't get at times. I mean, it's not about betting, but I'm just letting you know, like, I've watched his games with a rooting interest at times, and there's been, you know, kind of like 60-40 of him producing and 40% kind of letting you down. So let's hope for the 40% Matt Stafford this game. Running backs, Cam Akers came back from an Achilles injury and was running like a tornado. And he's a very effective back. He had a couple fumbles in that game. He would have been run out of town if, if they would have lost but they didn't lose, so he's back. His confidence is back. He's going to be dangerous, and he's going to be their go-to back for this game. And then you have Sony Michelle, you know, ex-Patriot, who's had a decent career, but a nice change of pace back. You know, he's, he's kind of their P. Ryan, and he could be effective. You can't sleep on him either. He was another—I forget when he was drafted. It was either late first round or in the second round, I believe. 
but another very skilled player, even though his career hasn't totally exploded, but someone you have to watch. And then they're saying that Daryl Henderson is going to be coming off IR. He had an MCL sprain, and you never know what you're going to get out of him. So chances are they're going to have all three backs ready to go, and we're going to have to keep doing what we've been doing this year is play very well against the run. Wide receiver, Cooper Cup is just amazing. The best receiver in the league. I mean, I think Jamar Chase has a higher ceiling and more talent. But if you just go by numbers and what they've accomplished this year even, Cooper Cup is is amazing. And he's going to be the focal point of their offense that we have to worry about stopping. So we talked about how we're going to stop him before. So I'm not going to prolong the conversation on Cooper Cup. But watch out for him. Then you have Odell Beckham. A lot of people think he's overrated. A lot of people think he's still a number one receiver in this league. I think he falls somewhere in the middle of that. I think that he can be effective for them. It's not a constant go-to, but someone that you can't sleep on. He does run good routes. He's fast. He's got strong hands. Obviously, we know about the one-handed catch that made his career, basically. That's another guy you have to be worried about. And if we do our job against Cup, they're definitely going to be looking for Beckham. And then Van Jefferson we talked about earlier. That's their deep threat, so watch out for him this game. And then you have Higby, and he's coming off an MCL sprain, kind of in the same boat as Uzama. I don't know how much production they're going to get out of him. It's good because tight end is another spot that gave us trouble early in the year, and you know we don't want to have to worry about a, a dynamic tight end. So I think Higby will be a little bit compromised and won't be the threat that we think, but just him out on the field can be dangerous, especially in the red zone. Offensive line, Brian Allen's a great center. Andrew Whitworth is a legend. Havenstein is good. Then you have Edwards and Corbett at the guard positions. Those are the more vulnerable ones. So it is a very good offensive line, even if the guards aren't marquee. You know, they do a good job opening holes and protecting Stafford. So our defensive line will have their hands full, but I think it's definitely something that we can exploit as the game goes on, especially with that Hendrickson motor. Let's hope that that happens. You know, we've been talking about that in this podcast for a couple episodes, how like Hendrickson is just coming alive in the second half. It's just like... The the offensive lineman that's blocking him's motor seems to run out before Hendrickson. So, you know, you, you have like a, what, a 40-year-old Andrew Whitworth or close to it, and then you have this 26, 27-year-old Hendrickson who's known for coming alive in the second half. That could be a good edge for us late in the game. On to the defense. This is going to be where the game is won and lost. If, if their defensive line just eats up our offensive line and we can't scheme properly to get Burrow outside of it or, you know, scheme up some various protections to give him some time to throw, we're not going to win this game. And I hate to say that, but that is the truth. I mean, Aaron Donald is a Hall of Famer. Von Miller is a Hall of Famer. Leonard Floyd is excellent. Sean Robinson is excellent. They have some other guys that they rotate in there. So it's just a constant ball of rolling nails coming at you. It's, it's, It's trouble. So we have to be smart. We have to get rid of the ball quick and do the right things because that defensive line can easily take over a game. And that's what I don't want. I don't want to see Donald just blow through the interior and land on Burrow awkwardly or, you know, just get there so fast that he he causes a a strip sack. I, I don't even want to put those negative thoughts out there, and I really shouldn't. But I am very concerned about that. Linebackers, you have Ernest Jones and Troy Reader as their main ones, and I think Jones is more of a coverage guy. Neither one of them is a huge threat, but they are part of an excellent defense. So, you know, even if they're not highly rated or they don't jump out on film, 
you know, they're part of a very good D, so they are doing their job to some capacity. But I'd like to see Mixon get isolated on those guys a little bit in the passing game, and if we can get to the second level in the running game, because I think we'll do some damage there. Defensive backs, we talked about Jalen Ramsey. You know, he's he's tough, and if you make a mistake, he's going to make you pay, just like Aaron Donald. He's he's the kind of player like Donald that on in one play can change the whole complexion of the game. So we're going to have to be very aware of him. And we're going to go at him, like I said, but we have to go at him intelligently. And then what else do you have? You have David Long in the slot. I think that's a huge advantage for Tyler Boyd, so look out for a big game from Boyd. You have Darius Williams as the other corner. You know, if he's on Higgins a lot, you're going to see us do some damage there. Safety, we have Rapp, Nick Scott, who's played decent lately, and then they bring in Eric Weddle off the street because Fuller's hurt. So this is the group. Really, they're, they're back seven the linebackers and the defensive backs, aside from Ramsey, that's what you exploit, and that's how the game is won. So the Bengals could lose the game if the defensive line runs wild. The Bengals can win the game if they can contain the defensive line and pick on those other units. Special teams, Matt Gay is excellent. They would trust him with a 60-yarder. He's got a strong leg, so we have to worry about that. Johnny Hecker is a great punter, and if you've seen in the past, he's not afraid to throw the ball either. So that's the other thing. You know, some teams pull out all the stops for the playoffs, like like Sean Payton with that onside kick and to begin the second half. You know, and the, or the Philly special. You know, teams sometimes really game plan these things that they haven't done all year that are just really out of the box. And I could see Coach McVay calling for something like that. So watch out, not only for Hecker giving them good field position or actually giving us poor field position, but just watch out for him to throw the ball. I, I, I almost can see it happening. But Coach Simmons is the best special teams coach in the league, so he's going to have our guys prepared. Coach Simmons, I know you're listening. Just remember I told you about Hecker just in case you forgot, but I know you didn't. And then they have Cooper Cup returning punts. That's, that's, that's such a questionable role for your number one offensive player. It's just it's so susceptible to injury. It's just not worth it. You know, get a fresh guy off the bench who's who's got some moves. Or like in our case, we have Trent Taylor, very rarely used in any other capacity, and he can focus his whole week on catching punts and and strategizing how he's going to return those punts. Cup doesn't have that luxury. He's so absorbed in the offense that catching punts is kind of secondary to him. Again, he's dangerous with the ball because he's such a great player. But you know, maybe we lay a good hit on him and and you know. Soften him up a little bit from when he's on offense. Maybe, you know, he, he is a little distracted and, and he makes a mistake on a punt, whether fielding one that he shouldn't or even fumbling the ball. Anything can happen there. And I'm not disparaging Cooper Cup as a returner. He's an excellent player. But I'm saying those are some of the things that could work in our favor when you see a superstar back there like that. And that, you know, that would be like having Jamar Chase return punts for us. Or even Tyler Boyd. I guess that's the example because we did use him when Darius Phillips had that rough game. We were just in desperation to put Boyd back there, but how long did that last? You know, our coaching staff is is too smart to let one of these elite wide receivers sit back there like a target. So that's it. I don't know what else to say except enjoy this game. I cannot wait. I just, I, I keep saying it. I know I'm sorry, guys. I just can't believe this is happening, and I'm wishing for the best. It's going to go down in history we really do have a very good chance at getting that ring. So what's going to happen in the game as the final score? We're going to have three touchdowns. Evan McPherson's going to rattle off two field goals and, and tie Vinatieri for the all-time record. 
and the Rams are going to get two touchdowns and then rely on Matt Gay for three field goals, but just too little too late. Vegas has the Bengals losing by four. The unofficial Bengals podcast has the Bengals winning by four. 27-23 Cincinnati Bengals. A legend is born. Our legacy has begun. And great times are here and ahead of us. X's and O's with Sands. All right, with one of the biggest Bengal games in history looming, what better guest to have on right now than Sands? Sands, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank? All right, man. I'm a little worried about the game. I mean, more nervous than worried. I guess more anxious and excited. What are the emotions that you're feeling right now going into this historic week? Oh, I mean, last week it was all elation, and I was very excited and happy. This week is when the uh, nervousness and the anxiety sets in about this game is uh, there's parts of this game matchup that I don't like and there's parts I do like, but I don't know. I, this is where this is the biggest game of me as a fan, not an analyst. It's just like as a fan, this is the biggest game that <laughs> this is the biggest game I've ever uh, seen from the Bengals. Like what's going to happen? Yeah, I agree. And I witnessed the first two Super Bowls, but I guess because this one's been such a long time coming and we have such a good team that just seems like they're going to do it. This is, feels like the most important game to me of all three Super Bowls. So I, I guess we'll see how it, it pans out in the end. So with that said, how, how do you attack the Rams? How do you defend against the Rams? What what do we? I'm just going to ask a whole bunch of questions and let you go. But like, what are we going to do about Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Floyd and Ramsey? Like, how how do we how do we make hay against this Rams team, Sands? So for the front, to me, it's a, it's a issue of resource allocation. The Rams like to bring either four or five. They don't really bring six or seven. So they're going to bring four or five guys on the D-line, and you're going to at least have five because of the offensive line and pass protection on every snap. If they bring four, that extra guy has to go to Donald. You have to, in my opinion, you just have to set everything to Aaron Donald. And if you have two extra guys in the pass, in the pass protection, that to me is either send that guy to Von Miller which is probably what I would do. Or you could help out Prince because you trust Jonah a little bit more. But the first and foremost, just no matter what front they get in, no matter how they try to single up Aaron Donald, you got to get two bodies on him. Just because he is generation. Like we throw around the term generational for a lot of guys. Aaron Donald might be the best defensive player of the millennium since, I don't know, <laughs> like since Reggie White or Bruce Smith, all those guys. Like he's on the tier of not just a first ballot Hall of Famer like Von Miller. He's on the tier of, is he the greatest defensive tackle of all time? And I think it's a legitimate question. Uh, you'd have to go back to like Mean Joe Green and those guys. So whenever you're going back 60 years to try to come up with a comparison, yeah, this guy might be the <laughs> the one, at least one of the best defensive tackles of all time. I would always have two guys on. There would not be, unless it's a one-step quick drop and get the ball out or a screen, there's not going to be a single snap that I have one guy on him. Yeah, and I've, I've seen him line up on both sides. And do you think he's going to see more of Spain, or are they going to try to pick on Adenogy Carmen? What would you do in this situation? <laughs> because if it's me, I'm lining him up and trying to single him up against Carmen or Adenogy, whoever plays pretty much the entire game. They'll put him outside the tackle, too. 
So they'll probably try to single him up against uh, Isaiah Prince some too. You want the better answer of, ah, you'll go against Spain, but I just, I, they'll do it. But I think that they're going to more so try to get him over the right guard. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, why put him over our best guard? You might as well go for the mismatches and the right side of our offensive line is much more susceptible than the left side. Now, I have a theory that we shouldn't fear Jalen Ramsey that much. I know he's really good, but I almost think that Chase is going to be ready to go here, and and Ramsey's not really going to know what to expect out of Chase because he's never faced him. Is that a matchup that you would try to go after in this game, or is that one of those that you just let them single up and kind of stay away from it? I think you're going to have to look at how the Rams are going to play everything. Now, it goes without saying you throw to the open guy, but... If it's Ramsey one-on-one with Chase, and then they're flooding the coverage elsewhere, like two, let's say you get into a trips three-by-one type look. You have three wide receivers on the right. You have, let's just say, um, Higgins, Boyd, and Uzama are on your right. And on your left is just Jamar Chase. And you see that they are putting every coverage defender onto that side. They've got the backside safety watching them, the one that's around Chase. They've got the front side safety watching them. They've got all the corners over there. They've got the linebackers flowing in that direction. You've got to try to take a deep shot to Chase. And, I mean, a calculated one. You don't throw one where Jalen has it completely smothered, but you have to try to just make them respect Jamar Chase if they're not going to because that's going to open things up for everybody. If they're going to be able – the worst thing that could happen for Cincinnati is if Jalen Ramsey locks one-on-one with Chase and they just don't even attack the matchup and they try to go elsewhere the entire game. Because even if those guys are inferior coverage players, they've almost all got help. And you can't allow them to just do what they do and get help from all sorts of – from the safety, from the linebacker, all sorts of areas, just staying in their zones there and – staying deeper and underneath of T and getting inside outside on Tyler boy. Just you make it so difficult on yourself. If you can force the Rams to really respect Jamar chase and Hey, we can't, it's called a poach when you have the backside safety looking towards the the trip side. Uh, We can't poach that safety because he has to get depth in case Jamar chase is going deep. Now I do think, I think Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the league, but what he struggles with more are guys like Jamar Chase struggles in air quotations here because, I mean, it's not like he's he's as good as Marlon Humphrey is. I don't think he's ever had a game that Marlon, as bad as what Marlon Humphrey did with Jamar Chase. I think if you watch the Buccaneers game where Jalen Ramsey was soloed up on Mike Evans for a lot of that game, you could see how Jamar Chase can win. What Mike Evans did on the touchdown, the go ball touchdown, the last touchdown of Tom Brady's career, which is weird to say still. Who knows when he pulls a Brett Favre and comes back at some point. But uh, he beats Ramsey by getting ahead of him vertically, something Jamar Chase is very good at. Very excel- He has great acceleration, explosiveness off the line. And then when the ball is in the air, he gives him just the slightest nudge with his offhand doesn't allow it to get grabbed, and then late hands to catch the ball. And, I mean, when I watched that, I went, okay, the blueprint is there for a go ball to Jamar Chase for a touchdown. Mike Evans showed how it's done. Now, Burrow has to throw, like, a perfect pass, which he's done all year on those go balls, and Jamar Chase has to execute to the best of his ability, but it's there. And if you get them one time with that, I don't think Raheem Morris is going to let that happen again. I think he'll let the safety truly play to that side when it's a too deep coverage rather than just having him poached to the front side. 
I'm hoping that that's the case. And yeah, like like I said, I'm gonna call the first play of the game, try to move the pocket to the outside, and hit Chase deep. I don't know. You know, that would be a great way to start the game, but that's just my thought. Are we gonna be able to get Joe Mixon going? I know their linebackers aren't aren't that great, but the defensive front is. What what do you think of our chances in the running game? I don't think much of our chances in the running game, to be honest. They haven't been good in the playoffs they haven't been good for a while and i think some of that is riley reese injury he was a very stable force but they ran the ball okay against denver and that was an injury but that was fred johnson so there's a lot to think about there why it could not be working but just in short it's not really working right now and i think they're going to have to win this game through the air now you can run to keep them honest but honestly the way the rams play on first down a lot of zone coverage they're not really going to man up they don't I'm not. I'm a little bit nervous to say they're not going to follow Chase with Ramsey on early downs, but they haven't done it to guys like Adams or Evans. Like they let him, they just play zone and they let Ramsey either stay outside or in the slot, just depending on where they want him in the zone early. And then when they get in third down, that's when he usually locks on to guys. But you could move Chase around, get him an advantageous matchup. I don't think very highly of either their slot corner or Darius Williams. I don't think that great of the safeties either. <laughs> I mean, one of them's off the street, even if Weddle was a great player. And the other one uh, coming off an injury, and I didn't think he was a great coverage guy anyway. To me, it's it's through the air that you win this game. You're not probably not going to win it on the ground. If they couldn't run against the Chiefs, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to run against an even better front. And as bad as the linebackers have been, it's mostly in coverage. Like, they're, they're Troy Reader, one of the starting linebackers, He's fine in the run game and adequate. That's that's all you need to <laughs> put a hamper on the Bengals' run game right now. So to me, I wouldn't really try it that often. You got to run a little bit to keep him honest, get some play action. But the game's going to be won with Joe Burrow's arm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. What about the other side of the ball? Obviously, they have a few threats. Cup being the biggest threat. How do you think we're going to fare defensively against that offense? <sighs> I have the most faith in Lou Anarumo than uh, I don't know since I've had I have more faith in him than anybody since Mike Zimmer right now with the heater he's on I mean shutting down the Chiefs in the second half coming up with a plan to stop Derrick Henry against the Titans holding the Raiders to a low percent to a low scoring total he's he's doing a really good job right now and I think he's going to pull something out against the Rams. I think he's going to have a well-called game. Hopefully I'm not wrong because I I like the chances of the Bengals if they can slow down that offense and they're not forced to just take deep shots. Now you could pass underneath and let them not get pressure that way. But uh, yeah, I think they'll be okay. Uh, When it comes to Cooper Cup, I see a little – I think people are – overthinking it a little bit too much i don't think you bracket him on every down i don't think you do anything like that the thing with him is he's not really much of a deep threat he can win deep but that's not his game his game is short and intermediate and to me that's something you kind of let him have on early downs at third down i don't mind getting a bracket on him getting two guys on him and getting them off the field but on first and second down i don't really love the idea because the rams will run the ball unlike the chiefs the chiefs they blink they didn't they couldn't stick with the run, and I mean, if you allocate a, another resource allocation argument, if you send two guys to cup there, either Van Jefferson or Odell Beckham's going to be one-on-one, and both of them can get it, one play 50, 60 yards. That's what, they, that's what they do in this offense. So I'd rather give up five catches for 30 yards, somewhere around there, compared to one 
touchdown, 50 yards, you know? Yeah, those are game breakers when, when they go over top. And I knew I've watched quite a few Rams games, and they do like to go to Jefferson deep. So that is going to be something we have to think about. Uh, what are you going to be doing for the Super Bowl? I, I wasn't sure if I'd have people over. I usually host a party, but we're going to have people over, and I'm just going to be... <laughs> I'm just going to be a mess probably the entire time. Um, looking forward to the game, but not looking forward to, uh, there's there's people here, and I am <laughs> watching the Bengals in a Super Bowl, and this is the team I've supported my whole life. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Hopefully they win. <laughs> so I'm happy with everybody and not angry or depressed. I got you. And I'm the same way. When Years ago, when we weren't getting into the Super Bowls, I was like, when the Bengals make a Super Bowl, I'm watching it by myself in the kitchen, two feet away from the TV. No one's invited over. And somehow I got talked into having people over. So I'm going to have a handful over for the game. And I agree with you 100%. I hope they do not lose because that's not going to be a fun party. (laughs) I'll be sulking on the couch. (laughs) I know. I might dip in the other room during this and let, you know, just kind of disappear, come back for commercials and act like I was there the whole time. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Sans, how do people find you on social media? You can find me at Bengals underscore Sans on Twitter. Hobson's Choice Questions. All right, if you guys have been listening to the show, you know that one of my favorite things to do is go to the Hobson's Choice column on the Cincinnati Bengals website and answer the questions that were asked of Jeff Hobson, who I admire. I've been reading him for years. I hope to get him on the show one day. It's just, I mean, I've been reading him for, God, I don't know, probably 20 years now. So it's only fitting that I have a conversation with him, I guess, after all these years. And I'm proud of him and happy for him to be able to witness a Bengals Super Bowl and cover it. You know, I know he's getting up there in years. I don't know how many more years he's going to be running the website. So this is an excellent gift to a very loyal sports journalist for the Cincinnati Bengals. So what I do in this segment is I just go into the questions that were asked and I answer them. And the whole catch is I have not seen these questions before. I love when this article comes out. So it's been on my phone for days and I'm just like, no, can't look at it until I do my segment. So I'm going to be reading these questions at the same time that you're going to be hearing them for the first time, and I'm just going to be giving my answers on the fly. So here it goes. All right, so it's Hobson's Choice Super Bowl edition. First question, will our success result in top free agents wanting to come here, especially considering the ages of our rising stars? I see this as a chance to really fix our offensive line and defensive backfield. Yeah. Yeah, the free agents are going to want to come here. And for two words, Joe Burrow. When you have a quarterback like that, that's like in the Tom Brady days. I mean, they weren't a big team with free agents, but everybody wanted to play with Tom Brady. So the allure of Joe Burrow being this superstar and taking us to the Super Bowl in our second season is going to have players want to come here. And it's going to start with offensive linemen because they're going to be like, hey, I'm a quality offensive lineman. I see that that was one of the only areas they were deficient in. If I can come and contribute, I'm going to go to a Super Bowl with these guys. So, yes, the success of this team and of Joe Burrow is going to make players come here. And secondary, I I know this writer said to fix what's wrong with the secondary. I don't think there's that much wrong with the secondary. We have excellent safeties. We're getting excellent play out of our corners. We have a great slot corner. We have depth. Defensive backs aren't really my concern right now. It's really offensive line and maybe another linebacker to to contribute to that room, even though the guys that we have are doing excellently this year. All right, next question. 
Are there any creative ways to counteract the fierce pass rush that the Rams will bring? I truly believe this will be the determining factor in this game. Well, this question hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. The defensive line and that pass rush is going to be trouble. And we did talk about this already. My main thing is move the pocket, get the ball out quickly. Don't let Joe Burrow be a sitting duck back there. Double team Aaron Donald. You know, all the things that we mentioned before. Next question. At 64 years old, I've been a Bengal fan since the inception. Has the Bengals' brain trust ever considered using Jamar Chase to return either kickoffs or punts, similar to how KC used Hill? Put this prolific playmaker in as many positions possible. This gentleman's name is Fred Strickland. Fred, no. I just talked about that. No. Yeah, you want to see Jamar Chase get the ball in his hands, but let's have that be 8 to 10 receptions in a game. Don't risk him to injury. I mean, imagine Jamar Chase going down for the season on a punt return. That would just be a travesty. And if you want to get him the ball in other ways, maybe some jet sweeps. You know, there's other there's a variety of ways to use him, but all of those ways are on offense and definitely not special teams. Remember, special teams have guys that are on the edge of the roster, and it's usually a bunch of fast linebacker safety types that are looking to just take people's heads off. Maybe they don't have the same skill as the starters, you know, as a starting safety or you know, the linebacker that's making all the reads and calling the plays. But these guys are NFL-level talent and usually pretty fast and aggressive. The last thing you want to do is have them running full speed at your best receiver who's catching the ball and waiting to be hit. Definitely not. But good question, Fred. Will not having an indoor practice facility interfere with the Bengals' preparation for the game given the terrible weather we are having? We're going to a warm climate, so I don't think not having an indoor facility is going to hurt with that. And I know that's the big question, and that's what everybody likes to get on the Bengals about, is getting an indoor facility. And truthfully, I I think we should have one, but I'm not going to make that the barometer of if Mr. Brown is a good owner or a bad owner or if we're cheap or not. That's, That's not it. I don't know his full reasoning. I mean, practicing outside, you saw that it helped us in cold weather. You know, the Raiders had no answer for us. We're able to go to the Chiefs without a problem. If we had to go to Buffalo, that wouldn't have been a problem. So there is an edge to practicing outside. The disadvantage is your players are more susceptible to injury. So there's there's pros and cons. But as far as the Super Bowl goes, indoor facility is just a non-factor right now because the game's in L.A. All right, next question. My question is if C.J. Uzama cannot go, any chance the Bengals use Auden Tate, not as a typical tight end, but more like a receiving tight end, if he is healthy? I don't know what's going on with T. I know he was designated for return off of IR, and I don't know what they did with him. I, I haven't seen any reports on him. I mean, it would be a good idea if he was healthy enough, but judging from what's been going on through the playoffs, he hasn't even been mentioned. I don't think that the Bengals are going to do that. If Uzama can't go, then you're going to see Drew Sample get some of those receptions or, or targets at least, and you're going to see Mitchell Wilcox do what he's been doing when Uzama went down, and that's a ton of blocking. All right, next. Going to the Super Bowl and elated beyond belief. My dad would be beside himself. Wish he was here for this. Will they be looking to upgrade the interior offensive line and cornerback with Wayne's likely gone and the line needing some stoutness? 100%. The the Bengals are going to do what they should have done last year, and they're going to get some new offensive linemen. I know we had Riley Reef and Jackson Carmen. I've been on record saying that that just wasn't enough to fix this line. The Chiefs got four new linemen, and you saw the results. So I I still think get one of each. Get a tackle, get a center, get a guard. At least two of those in free agency. Add three new guys to it. 
you know, you let Jonah and Spain hold their jobs or at least fight for their jobs and the other guys can start sliding in as backups. I mean, they're showing that they can start for a Super Bowl team and an AFC championship team. So they've gained valuable experience there. But we need to bring in some new blood, and I think that's one of the things. And corner, as I said, I'm, I'm really not that concerned about it. I think they do need to re-sign Eli Apple. If you look at how well he's been doing the second half of the year and into the playoffs, I think you kind of ride the hot hand there. I have to see who's available on the free agent list. I don't even want to think about that right now because we have a Super Bowl to win. But with them stockpiling flowers, you know, they're bringing in a guy like Hargraves, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens at corner. They probably will draft one too, relatively high. So that's not really a free agent target for us. Great to be a Bengal fan today. What I'd like to know is why can't we pull a Rams-Weddle deal and bring back Geno to help the defensive line? Not too long ago, he was in the same conversations as Aaron Donald, and that is true, he was. You know, he, I think he paved the way for Aaron Donald to get drafted so high because, you know, he was a little undersized and, you know, didn't have all the measurables that you want out of a defensive lineman. And Geno Atkins had what I consider to be a Hall of Fame career. But, guys, you have to understand, if he had game left right now, they would bring him back. I don't know if it's just the legs got tired. I don't know if if the shoulder never healed right. I don't even know. Maybe there's bad blood between him and the organization for some unknown reason. I don't really know any of those factors. But if they thought he was going to be an asset to bring back, they certainly would have picked up the phone and brought him back by now. So there's something going on that we don't know. But they haven't brought him back. They're not going to bring him back. And they're even bringing in other guys rather than giving him a call. And it was kind of curious that no other teams signed Geno Atkins this year. So I kind of believe that he's at the end of his game. And what a great career. And it would be such a great story to have him come back for the Super Bowl and play a few snaps, maybe get a sack or some big play. But again, if they haven't done it to this point, it means that he's just not what he was, unfortunately. The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Lucas Armborst. Who day, Bengals fans? First, I have to say thank you to Frank for having me on this podcast. And then I have to say sorry for my bad English because I know I have terrible pronunciation and some stupid grammatics too. But I'm Lucas from Germany. And here in Germany, I have a little Instagram page with some German Bengals content and a little bit of a German Bengals fan community and it's a lot of fun to watch a team right now. I started watching football in 2014 because in 2014 German television brought us NFL games and I fell in love with the combination Andy Dalton to AJ Green and this hard-hitting outside linebacker Wontae's perfect was a lot of fun who later ruined our playoff chances against the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know. But that's the past. After that, we have some terrible losing season after terrible losing seasons. I went to Cincinnati in 2019 after I graduated from high school because I wanted to take a year off before I head to college watch my favorite football team and I went to Cincinnati in week two of the NFL of the NFL season. We faced the San Francisco 49ers. It was Zach Taylor's first home game and I thought maybe we can win it. But we got absolutely destroyed by San Francisco and I knew it, oh my goodness, we will have another losing season. But I'm so happy that we had this losing season because we drafted Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, I think, 
changed the franchise, changed maybe the entire city of Cincinnati. Even from my little student apartment, I witnessed what Joe Burrow did to the Cincinnati Bengals and this franchise. It is unbelievable to me, and I'm so happy we have him. I'm so happy that, that this team performs. I mean, the defense plays unbelievable. I'm always kind of a defensive guy because here in Germany, I played um, defense on I played defense on a football team, and I'm so happy what they did against the Kansas City Chiefs twice this year. Held them to three points and a half. Everybody knew that. And give the offense a chance to win the game against the Tennessee Titans because of all those nine sacks. And I expect really same game like the Titans game because the Rams are very good at their D-line and our O-line will struggle. Joe Burrow will get sacked. But I think Matthew Stafford will struggle against our defense too. We have great pass rush, great coverage and Two amazing safeties. Bates and Bell play unbelievable. So I think we have a good chance to win the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow and his team is one game away. I think when Joe Burrow wins this game, he will be forever immortal in Cincinnati. We should build him a stature right now in front of Paul Brown Stadium if he wins this game. He changed the entire city, the entire culture. I would be so happy to be at Cincinnati right now, but I can't. After my college years, I hope to come back to Cincinnati and party a little bit. Um, so let's win this one game. I think it's absolutely possible to beat the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. And we are one game away from the, from the Wins Lombardi Trophy. I still cannot believe it that we play this game. But now let's win it. Huday from Germany. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Super Bowl, and we're going to welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.